It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, go to ellerslie.com. Well, Eric, we have started a life lesson series talking about some of the things that just have deeply moved us and stirred us to real life Christianity. Last time we talked about the endless frontier, which I just love that idea. I want to talk about this idea of personalizing truth mm-hmm. and how you can know something without actually knowing something. Mm-hmm. Do you want to kind of flesh out just the concept itself? Yeah, the you know, I could know all the data about my wife. I could know her height, her weight, her hair color, her eye color, and yet not know her. And so knowing data about things is not actually the same degree or emphasis of knowledge that God is desiring us to have with him. Because many of us have a doctrinal understanding. We could even be totally accurate, height, weight, hair color, eye color of our God. And we have his attributes down. We know exactly how he behaves. We know what his truth says, but we don't know him. And that seems to be one of the the weighty uh, things that we see and pick up in the New Testament, that statement, but I never knew you, uh, is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, because We want to be known and we want to know our God. And that is part of what the Spirit of God is laboring to accomplish in us. And that's why it's a life lesson for us, is I think for both of us, this is one of the crucial ideas that is at the very crux of our our life, of our spiritual pursuit, of our ministry, is it's not just that we want to know God and we want to be known by God, but we want to introduce others to a God who wants to know them so that they can know Him. And so, in, can I, can I yeah. jump in really quick? <clears throat> I, I just wanted to clarify too, even from my own life. I think it was this concept twenty years ago that actually changed my Christianity completely, because just like Endless Frontier, it, as we talked about in the last episode, was so transforming for you. When I began to realize, having grown up in the church, that I knew a lot of information, but I didn't actually know Him well. Just that, which is the term I use, gnosko. But it's just like that concept has been so beautiful and so transforming for me and it is so essential for basic christianity well I, I think one of the things that we delight in yeah. is the fact that god individually and personally works with us so one of the challenges you face is you know, some people will take scripture and sort of you know bend it to fit their life and to fit what they want. It's like, oh, that's my personalization of the scripture. No, 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 that's not actually how scripture is personalized. But God wants scripture to be ours. You know, Paul makes a statement, this is my gospel. And all of us, uh, excuse me, Paul, but that's also my gospel. And he'd probably say, yeah, it is, it's supposed to be. You see, we're supposed to own it. And when you know a, a certain scripture and you know it well, and then someone starts preaching on it, like a pastor gets out, and you feel like, well, he's talking about my scripture. That's mine. And we always joke about staking claim to scripture. And it's like, hey, that's my scripture. And that's part of what God desires to do in us is to personalize our engagement with him that we feel like he really is our savior. He is our Lord. He is our father. He is our friend. He's not just a friend, a father, a bridegroom. He's ours. And that process is what the Spirit of God desires to do inside of us. So when we talk about the Word of God, the Word of God is the same for all of us. 
So it doesn't sound very personalized, does it? It's the same for all of us. It's not like you have your own version of the Bible. Praise the Lord, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And Eric has his version. Uh, You know, it's the Eric translation of the Bible. We all have the same Bible. And it's the logos in the Greek. That's that's the word for it. So it translates the word. Uh, and so in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's logos. And the scripture is the logos. Jesus then fulfills that logos in personal form. And so we can see God, the, the God that is the same for everyone in and through Jesus. And he's not unique to you or unique to me in the sense that he changes, like he's nice to you, but he's mean to me. You know, he's the same. And it's the same God. It's the Logos. But then that Logos wants to personalize, wants to intimately acquaint us with himself. He wants us to know him and he wants us, he wants that gospel to be our gospel. And that's another word in the Greek, and I'm going to call it rhema, which is me calling it that. That's the word for it. The rhema of God is what I would call is the personalization of it. It's it's direct wisdom. It's, okay, here's the general revelation of the Logos. Here's how, Nathan, I want you to live it today. Here's, here's how I want you to handle this situation right now. And that's the unique uh, tailor-fit version of the common to all in our lives. And one of the great illustrations of that is Mary, when uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, where the angel of the Lord comes to her and basically says, I'd like to use your womb <laughs> to house the Messiah. And she says, be it done to me according to thy word, to thy rhema. And you see, that's the fulfillment of the Logos. The general revelation throughout all of the Old Testament is that it's a virgin will be with child. Uh, a virgin will conceive. Uh, she, w- This child will be born in Bethlehem. It's the Messiah, right? It's the messianic promise. But for her, it's very personal. It's her womb. And for all of us, in a strange sense, that's Christianity. Yeah, we're not actually housing the physical body of Christ in us, but we are housing the life of Christ in us. It's not just a concept, theoretically. It's that God wants to move into our life, and he wants the fruit of our life to be Jesus. And that is taking the Logos and making it personal in us. Also, <clears throat> I also love this application in the sense of, there's a lot of things that the word, the logos, says that in my specific situation actually doesn't say. I don't know if that made sense. Like the the word does not talk about social media. And yet in my personal situation with social media, the word actually has a lot to say about social media and how do I engage social That's media? Right. Or and you can take whatever whatever yeah. the issue is. So it's not an encyclopedia in the sense of it's it's not a treatise or a, you know, I'm gonna look up social media in the in the scriptures to figure out how to use social media. But it's as I'm engaging the entirety of the word, though the word doesn't change, the personalization of that practically for living out actually uh, is, is is very clear in, in the word, which I think is a great concept. Could, could you take this even one step further? It, it's one thing, again, to, as we've said, to know about the word, uh, whether it's the word in text or the word in person, but not know it. In other words, I, I can know all the... I could have all the scriptures memorized, but actually have no idea what the word is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can know the facts about Jesus, but not actually have relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're talking about Logos Rhema. Well, then how how then does that flow into the living this thing out? Mm-hmm. In other words, I might even know something, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I'm actually living it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Now, this is the next dimension of that. It's I use the illustration of a treasure map, and I liken the Word of God to a treasure map a lot. That's actually one of my the greatest 
clearest metaphors for me because there's an X that marks a spot, or I like to say a cross that marks the spot. And if you had a treasure map, because you are intimately familiar with the living God, you've been grafted into his family, you've been adopted as his child, and part of the inheritance is a personal treasure map. It's like, here, Nathan, this is yours. Because you're in my family, you receive the inheritance of this treasure. And it comes in map form. Well, okay, so now you have a map because you are intimately connected with your God. It's like, woo, it sounded like you when I said that. Woo, that, that's like a total Nathan thing to do right there. Uh, but you're all excited about this map. And so you stick it in your pocket and you tote around. It's like, I have a map. You create a little song, you know, about the fact that you have the map to bury and treasure. And if I was Eric, I'd have a little dance with it. Yeah, you'd have a little dance yeah. if you're me. So you should do the dance. I'll do the woo. <laughs> uh, and yet a map to buried treasure is indirectly uh, insinuating that there's action that needs to be followed. It, the action isn't folding up the map, sticking it into your pocket. If you truly know God, if you have an intimate fellowship with God, and he entrusts you with his understanding of where the map to bury, where the treasure is, what would you do? You would go on the grand adventure to find the treasure. You would go after the treasure. You would, you know, take those 10 paces to the north and then step over, you know, this little stream and, you know, climb the cliff. You would go in agreement with the map, which is yours. This is my gospel, says Paul. Well, this is my treasure. And we would go after the treasure. We would risk life and limb. We would recognize that it could cost us our very life to go after this treasure. But is there anything else in life that is worth it? You see, the text of Scripture, you could call it a treasure and you'd be right. It is. But the text of Scripture is like a treasure map. It isn't actually the treasure that is being referred to in the text. It is the one thing that leads us to the treasure, which is why it's so valuable. Without the text, you don't know the person. But this is a very personal journey for us. So the personalization of Jesus Christ to us, the personalization of the gospel is of the essence to us as a believer. Because if we don't truly have that love relationship, we end up folding up the map and sticking it in our pocket. And we have what we need, right? Am I fine uh, for eternity? I have the map. It's like, well, yeah, you have the map, but if you truly know him, if you realize that that map is for you, it has been written so that you would understand it, you would then do whatever it took to go in agreement with the map to find what the map points to. Which is why I think Jesus says, you know, if you love me, you will obey me. There, there's that There's that tie-in. And, and I think I've, I think for a lot of us who've grown up in the church, we've looked at it and it's like, okay, well, if I love God, then I have to be in the subservient position. And actually, I think it's the wrong perspective. If, if I genuinely love God, if, if I actually have intimacy and relationship with him, it should be my delight mm -hmm. to actually live it out. Amen. That I don't just esteem it with my mind, I begin to live it with my life. And one of the ways we've talked about it at Ellerslie is just that the difference between um, doctrinal accuracy and behavioral accuracy. Because mm -hmm. I can have all the doctrinal accuracy and, and mm -hmm. you know mark all the little check, check boxes but then live horribly. Yeah. And and I know a lot of people who have yeah. great head smarts and mm -hmm. they know the word and they can argue, you know, up you up and down. But then you look at their life and it's like, buddy, <laughs> you are unhealthy. <laughs> and I'm actually concerned because as Jesus says, again, you quoted the Matthew 7 passage, but it's like, I never knew you. You had all this right Christian behavior or, or these, you know, uh, declarations, mm -hmm. and yet your life, you actually had no intimacy and relationship. Mm -hmm. It's the intimacy and relationship that 
that is eternal life, as Jesus says in John 17, 3, that then flows out into the reality of living Christianity. In other words, Christianity is not just head knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's not just knowing the word. It's living the personalization of that word in your life and, and living the, out of the fruition or out of the, uh, out of the intimacy, living in obedience uh, to that. Well, Jesus, that life. Jesus says, you will know my disciples by... And then he gives by the, the thing that is the dead giveaway of someone who is his disciple. And it isn't that they are doctrinally perfect, which I think is a very interesting thing to note because I don't, I think both of us agree having doctrinal accuracy is a very it's valuable yeah. thing. But the weight we put on it in our, in our modern Christian system, doctrinal heresy is a huge deal. If you're off doctrinally, I mean, you'll be cut out. And uh, there's certain conservative bastions that are very sensitive to that, and for good reason. In other words, I would say, yeah, that's a, that is a, a, a tender spot that we should be watchful of. But those same groups don't have the same tendency to be sensitive to behavioral heresy. You will know my disciples by their love for one another. Well, what if someone doesn't have love for the body of Christ? Are you going to be concerned about that, the way you are about doctrinal inaccuracy? Because I would say behavioral heresy is a chief form of concern within our lives as the church. And so all of these things that we're talking about, this personalization, it has to get to that heart level. The, the, the mind is a dimension. God wants to take the mind. He wants to rule the mind. But so that it can drop into this inner heart region and transform us. It just happens to be that the avenue in is through the mind. And so he needs to capture the mind. He needs the mind to submit. He needs the mind to humble so that he can use it as his road, his Roman road, if you will, to the center of our life to win us, to change us, to transform us so that our inner life is marked by his presence, his love, his life, his kindness, his goodness, his gentleness, his mercy, so that we can proclaim Christianity in and through our behavior accurately because our mind is one, doctrinally in agreement to sustain that inner life of behavior. It has to be personalized. Could you, um, <clears throat> just as we're wrapping up here, uh, for someone who's listening, going, all right, I, I just heard all that. You guys were using a bunch of Greek words, uh, and you're talking about heresy and doctrinal behavior, or, you know, doctrine and behavior. And is there a way you could simplify this, like in a, like a, like a little sentence or two of just like, what are we trying to express? Like, if, if you're to like wrap it up, like what, what's the main point or what's the practical implication? Does that make sense? Like yeah. how, how can we simplify this for someone who's listening going, whoa, 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 that was a lot of words. Like what, what's the, what's the key takeaway? I went to Quebec, Canada when I was 13. I know this isn't two sentences, but I'll try and get to my two sentences. I don't even know what my two sentences are going to be. And I remember my, I came back to the public schools and my history teacher was teaching on Canada. And he was talking about Quebec instead of Quebec. And I was like, boy, he doesn't. And I felt like he was talking about territory I knew and I had experienced. I'd been there. And whatever that is, you have to have it in your life with Jesus. Jesus wants us to brush against the scriptures, to intimately acquaint ourselves with him so that we know him. We've been there. We've experienced our God. And if we haven't, 
if we if we only have an intellectual understanding, I would say, if I could summarize all of this, crave to know him personally, crave to experience the word in your life, as opposed to just know it intellectually, crave to know him that until you're saying, this is my gospel, redemption is mine, salvation is mine in Christ, until it becomes yours, wrestle for that. That's really good. Thanks, Eric. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. If you'd like to learn more about Ellerslie, our discipleship programs, or support the ministry financially, please go to ellerslie.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.